Are you yearning for a once-in-a-lifetime vacation experience? How about a cruise vacation? Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon Bennett. I am joined, as always, by Dave Cumberbatch, who is located in the Big Apple. Big Apple, try that again in English. Hey, Dave, um, uh, I know you've got some heat uh, on your end of the line. Uh, we have high heat warnings here in Vegas today. It's supposed to be 115. <laughs> Why should I complain when I'm at a... <laughs> I'm around 85, 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Why should I complain? Everybody says, oh, it's a dry heat. I don't want to hear that either. Hot is hot. Right. I don't care. It's like being in a sauna. You know, it's like, you know, it's 115 outside and then it's a little breezy. And, you know, normally when you're in a breeze, it cools you off. It mm-hmm. just, makes, just makes it worse. So there have been some interesting news. The industry from the cruise sector is beginning to open up. It's not looking too bad, huh? No, based on everything I'm reading, and our guests will shed some light on this, based on everything I'm reading, they are really uh, uh, booking cruises like crazy through the end of this year for for sure. And even a lot of the cruise ships have um, returned to American ports, if you will, especially down in Florida and Texas and places like that. Uh, I know they were having issues with, you know, the relationship between the governor of Florida and the cruise ship industry and what they were trying to enforce. But it, it appears that at least... On some level, that's been resolved. So, yeah, happy sailing for the rest of this year and probably well into next year, too. Pent-up demand is driving everybody. Yeah, and I and I know we'll dig a bit deeper into that as we, as you introduce our guests and we start with our questions. But um, here's, I'm glad. No, I was going to say, here, here's an issue that I never, I've been in travel and tourism for the better part of two decades. I never thought I would hear the word over tourism in my life, but we they are actually having that issue in Hawaii right now. And tomorrow, we're recording this on July 7th, July 8th. Tomorrow, they're actually going to uh, relax the uh, requirement for pre-COVID testing if you've been vaccinated. And they're going to increase their capacity in their restaurants. Up, I think it goes from 50 to 75% capacity. And uh, I know that the mayor of Maui and some of the other places in the Hawaiian Island chains, they are complaining. They have too many tourists and not enough uh, workers and hospitality workers to support that infrastructure. And that's, that's awful. Yeah. Well, they'll probably have me soon. As you know, our guests who or folks who listen to our podcast, uh, I've never been on a cruise. Why, um, then why in the hell did you uh, wait? No, that was me who asked Bob on the show. Never mind. Okay. I get it now. Now that I took both my uh, doses of that vaccine, I've got some pent up. <laughs> what I don't want to call it frustration, but I've got, you know, I need to get out. I need to do something different. So, dude, just start with a river cruise. You can see land on both sides. You don't have to worry about the waves all that much. Just start there. I know you I don't will. like the big high surf and all that stuff. Start with a river cruise. Just go up and down the damn Mississippi River. You'll be good. I don't want to be drinking my cocktails and I get seasick and they spill, you know, that's precious, you know? You know what? My adult beverages. (laughs) You need to to quit worrying about being seasick. Most of these cruise ships today, especially the mega ones that, you know, go up and down the Caribbean, for the most part, the stabilizers will mitigate most of that. I I, I remember the first cruise I went on was 1987. And I remember I had that little Dramamine patch on my ear. I took the thing off after 24 hours. It's like, eh. Uh, and the um, worst experience I've ever had on a cruise, it actually has to do with Bob, so where he went. So I'm not going to spoil that. I'll save that story for once we get started, because uh, 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 Bob took a, uh, a a cruise to Alaska uh, on, on a cruise voyage that I had never heard of before, which intrigued me. And I'd actually been on that same voyage, but I was on one of the mega ships and he was on uh, something a little more intimate. So I'm going to let him tell that story as well. So uh, I've kind of given away the show a little bit, but let me uh, get to the housekeeping notes so we can get Bob in here because I, I, I love what he's done and I love what he's doing with his uh, platform. Yeah. Um, Tripcast 360, our podcast is available pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, you name it, we're there. But the best place to catch it is on our website. We post a new episode every single Monday, holidays excluded. 
Uh, so please join us, like us, follow us, get your friends to follow us and subscribe. And um, we are actually also working on our own store and platform, which we hope to have live soon. Uh, as I've said repeatedly, the task of building that out has become a little more arduous than I care to tell you about. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that. And uh, Dave, we've got some uh, social media handles. Social, share those. social media. Well, for folks who listen to us, you know, regular listeners, uh, they know we are on Facebook, we we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, and uh, we are on LinkedIn. Soon to be actively engaging on YouTube. Our website is more than just a podcast. Our website is a unique, consumer-friendly approach that provides our audience with information they can use either to purchase products as our store comes online, or just to have a good, fun time hearing them, hearing and reading about. Uh, traveler experiences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The experience is everything. I, I yes. learned that early on in this business. You know, one of the reasons I disdain a lot of the traditional press releases is because they're all corporate speaking. I don't like yeah. corporate speak. I want to I wanna hear the real story. So that yeah. is our focus. And without further ado, Bob Levenstein has been sitting patiently waiting for us. He is the CEO and co-founder of Cruise Compete. It's a free service that allows travelers to select a cruise and compare multiple custom cruise offers from competing travel agencies. Uh, I believe he founded it way back in 2003, and his member travel agents have provided more than 17 and a half million quotes to cruise travelers. And I checked out their website. It is awesome. And I'm going to let it Bob is. tell the story because uh, uh, it, it really does, uh, you know, unlike you, I've cruised a lot. So I'd never heard of some of the... Um, cruise options that are on his platform uh and uh I, i'm looking forward to having this discussion hey bob welcome thank you so very much glad to be here yes certainly well bob it's been a challenging year or so for the cruise industry with uh over 30 million cruise travelers and 2,000 ports to explore many travelers are anxious to know what's happening we're beginning to sort of see the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel right huh? Let's hope it's uh, let's hope it's not uh, on oncoming train. But yes, so far as uh, things are looking good, we're moving in the right direction. The lines are very cautiously bringing new uh, bringing ships back in service. Um, I heard that described by the CEO of Royal Caribbean as bringing a ship back after 15 months is an equivalent task to launching a brand new ship for the first time. Mm -hmm. And for his line to try to bring 65 ships online is uh, is really daunting. But they're coming back. We've got uh, already some uh, some ships sailing from from the U.S., which is wonderful. And as we go out through the fall and into uh, by the end of the year, I think probably maybe 80 percent of the fleets will be sailing. And by the end of the first quarter, we should be back uh, back to what the current full capacity is. Apart from the traveler experience, the cruiser experience, there were so many jobs that were lost. And I mean, when you look at the entire industry, so we all happy that uh, that there's some light. Oh, the um, yeah, uh, it's the real the you know it's been obviously it's been tough for us, but the real heartaches are thinking about uh, you know the folks in the Caribbean, for example. A lot of people on those islands in a good year, you know, depend on tourism and are living hand to mouth. These are not yeah. wealthy places. And to take that away for, you know, 15 months, 16 months longer, I can't imagine how some of these folks are surviving. I mean, it's, um, it, it's really as bad as this year has been for us to, to spare a thought for people who have it a lot worse is, uh, um, and be thankful for what we have because uh, boy, it can be worse. Yeah. And Michael, no one knows that better than you. You've you've been on several cruises. Yeah, I have, and and you know, I've I've got a few more that I would like to take. Uh, and it, and it's, you know, when I see things like the recession from two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and of course now this pandemic, it just breaks my heart. Going back to Bob's point, because a lot of the people, a lot of the places these cruise ships visit do are hand to mouth, even especially the Caribbean, but there's other parts of the world too that, that are totally dependent on the cruise ship industry to um, make a, a splash, if you will, pardon the, the awful pun, but make a splash yeah. in their destinations just to survive. 
And, you know, a lot of times, especially when it's down season in certain places, um, you know, there's struggle. So, yeah, I it, it's painful. Hey, Bob, do you see the, the the current recovery as kind of fragmented? And what I mean by that is like, for example, in the United States, we're hovering somewhere between 60 percent vaccination rate, but other parts of the world are not anywhere close to us. Do you see the, that impacting the uh, uh amount of activity as this industry starts to recover? Because like in Europe, they're struggling like crazy. Yes, I think it's, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. I don't think anybody's going to be able to predict what's really going to happen. And the cruise lines are going to have to be very, very light on their feet and be willing to change itineraries and be willing to move ships around and, and make changes. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see some other cancellations and things like that based on outbreaks. You may sign up for a cruise that has, you know, five port calls and end up going on four port calls, and they may not be the ports they originally planned. It's, uh, but that's really one of the great advantages of being on a cruise ship is, you know, they're mobile. They can avoid bad weather. They can, you know, if there's an issue somewhere uh, on one port, they can go to a different island. You know, just lots of uh, options that they have. But I think it's going to continue to be a, a challenging time. Uh, to deal with these things uh, and, um, you know, all the different local governments, what they want to see, what they're willing to see, how their situations change. It's uh, we're not we're not out of the woods yet by any means. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Tell us a little bit about Cruise Compete. I was fascinated by your website. I went through it yesterday and again this morning. And I first of all, I didn't know that there were that many different levels of cruising. Yeah, I know about the big boys. You know, you got your you know low end carriers all the way up to your luxury cruise line. I know about those, but you've got some on your website that I had never heard of, including the uh, one that you took to Alaska, which we're going to talk about momentarily. Tell us a little bit about Cruise Compete. Okay, well, I mean, Cruise Compete's a simple concept. You want to find the best deal on a cruise, um, but. There's really a lot of shopping around that's involved with that. And the reason is this. Different travel agencies have different relationships with cruise lines. Um, on some cruise lines, they're literally allowed to offer different prices for the exact same cabin. On other lines, uh, it may be an ability to offer more amenities. It may be an ability to offer uh, onboard credits. Uh, there's just a lot, of, there's just a lot of, of, of different ways that your, your cruise deal can, can take, with a lot of different forms that it can take. And so Cruise Compete's really a pretty simple concept. You come in, you pick the cruise that you want. We've got a lot of tools to help you, search tools. We've got a, um, a virtual travel agent that you can use. We've got live help. But basically, at the end of the day, you figure out what cruise you want to take. And all you're really doing is saying, look, I want to go on this boat. I want to go on, uh, on this date. Uh, here are the passengers and their ages. Here's what type of cabin I want. And then from there, we have over 500 different travel agencies. We're members, and they can find your request. They can reply with their best offers. Then you can compare those and uh, and decide, you know, which is which is best for you. Um, if you have questions, you can contact these agencies directly. They can't contact you unless you contact them first because you're anonymous on our system. And so it's just a very easy way uh, to make sure that you're getting the best deal on whatever cruise uh, that you happen to be interested in. You can also read about the agencies themselves, see um, user feedback, user ratings, things like that. Uh, so you're comfortable that you know that whoever you are, uh, you might book with, uh, is legitimate, reliable, and you can have a good feeling about the whole process. Uh, because if you just try to shop around yourself, and believe me, I did this way back in the day. It's uh, it's a long process. You got to talk to a lot of different people, and um, we just rather make it pleasant, easy, uh, and save you some money. Is the way that works. <laughs> Thank but God. as far as the different lines go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I, that's where I was going, so continue. Yeah, as far as the different lines go, it's um, the cruise business is, is, is really a lot bigger than, than most people realize, I think, as you've, as you've intimated, intimated. There we go. It's, uh, it's not just, you know, Princess uh, Carnival and, uh, and Royal Caribbean. Um, you've got the, they've got the six major lines um, with the big ships. Um, MSC Cruises is another large mainstream line that is, um, has moved into fourth place overall. They've got a lot of beautiful brand new ships there. Uh, it's a Swiss company, but it's with some very Italian ties. But some of their new, their new uh, ships that they're deploying in the Caribbean and in the Med are just are gorgeous ships. But it's interesting. I was actually just having a conversation this morning with a writer out of the UK, and 
they're doing an 20 year anniversary uh, article about about travel because they're they're hitting their their 20 their 20th year this year. And one of the big changes I think in cruising that's happened over the time is the number of different options. Um, yes, you have your smaller high end luxury ships, you have your uh, your river cruising uh, and that sector of the market. Uh, but something that's really been coming on is, is what's, what they call adventure cruising. Uh, it's smaller ships going to wilder destinations, going to uh, Antarctica, going to the Arctic, going to the Galapagos. And the cruise that I took uh, in May was on uncruise adventures. And they call themselves uncruise because they, wanna, they want to emphasize that it's really less about the being on board the ship and more about experiencing the wilds of Alaska up close and personal. Yeah, I saw that. I, I guess uh, the, I saw somebody in some of the images you sent us. They were, they were doing the polar plunge. Uh, oh God! Yes. <laughs> I yeah. I, I've been to that region of Alaska, and I put my hand in that water. There is no way in hell you would catch me jumping off of that boat into that cold water. We we got certificates uh, after we jumped in, and yes, I let peer pressure get to me, but it's. Uh, <laughs> The certificate said, congratulations on your complete and total lack of judgment. Uh, that water is very, very cold. I do not recommend it. But on the plus side, you climbed up the ladder onto the boat, and they were waiting there with big fluffy towels and then hot chocolate with uh, with schnapps, which uh, I quite enjoyed. Uh, I probably could have had that without doing the polar plunge first. That would have been better judgment. <laughs> Was that before or after you had an adult beverage? Uh, actually, you know, I had not been drinking before that. I, I'd had a very, <laughs> I don't know, you guys want to hear a really long, ugly story. Um, this was not my first time jumping into uh, ice water. Uh, <laughs> so it was really against my better judgment because the first time it did not go well. This was many, many years ago. I was on a hike in uh, Glacier National Park in Montana. And we did a very long, I think it was about a nine-mile hike up to uh, this place called uh, Iceberg Lake, which should have been a clue. Uh, <laughs> and this was with a guided tour called Backroads. And great, uh, great company, by the way. Uh, they're out of Berkeley, and they have these guided camping and, uh, and in trips and adventures. I've done a number of tri trips with them and, uh, and always had a good time. But anyway, it was a very hot day. We hiked a long way, and they talked about, oh, you know, you can do a dip into the into the uh, into Iceberg Lake, and we get to Iceberg Lake, and it's called that because, not surprisingly, there are big chunks of ice floating in this glacier-fed lake. And instead, other people jumped in, but I just, for some stupid reason, decided to do a racing dive <laughs> into the water, and my body was very much not happy with me, <laughs> and. Went into total shock and just immediately went, okay, I've got to get out of this. So I climbed up onto an iceberg. And I don't know if you've ever been in really cold water, but all of the uh, all of the strength goes out of your muscles. Um, what would have been, you know, an easy push yourself up the side of the pool was an inch-by-inch inch elbow crawl on my belly up onto this ice. And I'm standing there on this iceberg, and I am just trying to recover from what happened to me. And I realized I am drifting further away from land. <laughs> wow. Yes. So I decided the thing that I needed to do was, you know, jump to an iceberg closer to land. And the mind was willing, but the hamstring was weak, having been <laughs> frozen. And my just completely ripped my left hamstring. Wow. So the end of that story is I got to ride down the mountain on a, on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's an experience. Wow, wow. Oh, moral of the story is stay out of really cold water. It's it's just not a good thing. Yeah, That's right. It's not for no, no, us. No, no. no it's, I, for I, <laughs> it's, it's not for any human, but you know, some people uh, uh, have this uh, tendency to defy. <laughs> it's for polar bears. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We talked earlier about the impact that COVID had on the industry in terms of folks who work on the cruise ships. Um. How does the industry balance? Um, because I'm reading on some of these ships and they have everything. They have um, movie theaters. They have, as a matter of fact, if you do Zoom, you almost think that you are in a hotel somewhere. 
They have movie theaters. Yep. They have massages. They have bars. They have piano bars. They have they have everything that makes it so attractive that the passenger stays on board. Um, or or may I say that the pass that the passenger doesn't get off the cruise ship. Shouldn't the experience also be about what you experience on destination as well? Well, I think just as a general statement, one of the great things about big ship cruising is you get to choose what experience you want. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much impossible to do all the things that are on board the ship. And it's impossible to do thing, you know, everything that's available in a specific port on one day. Um, so it's, and when I say choose your experience, I, I would say, you know, I've been on, been on cruises where we close down the disco every night at three, three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. I've been on cruises where, you know, I was training for a triathlon and worked out twice a day and went to bed early. You know, yes, there are people who, when they get to ports, they'd love to just explore on their own or go to a beach. There are people, when they get to ports, want to take a shore excursion and go, you know, swim with dolphins or uh, ride horses in a rainforest or hike to a waterfall. And you can pick and choose based on what you want to do that day. Hmm. Um, you know, people talk, if, if you've never been on a big cruise ship, you know, I see people go, oh, well, I would never want to do that. You. And look, it's not for everybody, but unless you've actually been on one, you cannot really understand how big these ships are, That's how much me. stuff they're in. <laughs> you know, people talking about, oh, I would feel, I feel, I'd feel claustrophobic, you know, if I couldn't, whatever. If you don't feel claustrophobic in the largest shopping mall you've ever been to, <laughs> you won't feel claustrophobic on these ships. I mean, and until you get to a port... You know, and when generally when you board the ship, you're in a cruise terminal and you're walking across a gangway that's that's you know four stories up. When you really get to a port where the ship is actually parked at a dock, and you were standing on the dock at the waterline, looking up at the size of this white wall that just goes straight up mm -hmm. and goes way way out to each side of you, you just cannot imagine how big these things are, and how massive and how incredible it is that they even exist. To be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know that they make the they they make the uh, Titanic look look like a bathtub toy. Um, they're they're oh, massive. They they are really yeah. massive. And and going back to the, Dave's question about um, as regards to picking and choosing where you get on and off the ship, there have been times where I stayed on the. We went to Cabo San Lucas three years ago, and I didn't get off the ship because I'd been to Cabo San Lucas a hundred times. I didn't need to go see it yeah. again. So I stayed on the ship. There are other times, and I'm going to circle back to your your Alaska experience. Sure. I, I'd never been to Alaska before. So we took a Princess Cruises uh, ship mm -hmm. uh, out of Seattle up the intercoastal waterway to Alaska and Ketchikan and Juneau and Ditka and got the other couple of stops to uh, uh, Segway. And, and I got off the boat. I, I did everything that you would, you know, Typically, do I went on a whale watching with the humpback whales, and uh, matter of fact, one came within about sixty feet of our boat and slapped its fin out of the water and, and sprayed everything. It was awesome. Nice. It, was, it, it was so cool, and I had my <laughs> and I had, had my damn camera turned in the wrong direction, um, <laughs> so I didn't get it. <laughs> so, Your answer to that one question that I asked you, and then Michael's follow up, has convinced me that I need to go on a cruise. Seems very Absolutely. exciting, uh, wonderful experiences. So. I'm looking forward to going on my first cruise now. Yeah. Well, I, I, well you know, one I've thing been working about on it, here um, for a year, Bob, by the way, so go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, and you let me know. I'll hook you up. But, um, you know, one interesting thing um, that, that, that really kind of brought it home for me was just the second cruise I went on. Um, this is back, oh, I don't know, around a little after 2000, I guess. Um, just the second cruise I went on, uh, it was out of Puerto Rico. And since I was going out of Puerto Rico, figured, hey, I'd never been to Puerto Rico before. Let's spend a few days here. And so we got off the cruise. And this first night, you know, we're in our hotel. It's like, hey, what do you want to do? It's like, all right, well, let's go out, let's, let's go out for dinner. So we asked the concierge at the restaurant, uh, you know, where's the, uh, you know, what's a good local place? So he tells us, and we get in the rental car, and that was before Google Maps. So, you know, we eventually go, we find the place, and we get there, and there's an hour and 15-minute wait. You know? 
Um, and we ended up eating someplace else. And then, well, what do you want to do now? Well, let's go out and hear some live. Let's go out and hear some live music. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It was a Tuesday night. There isn't a heck of a lot of live music in San Juan on a Tuesday <laughs> night. There wasn't really, you know, high time vacation. Whereas on the cruise, you want to eat. You've got eight, you know, you got a whole bunch of different options. You walk right in, you eat, you get served. You want live music. You've got a bunch of different venues that have, that have live music. And the other thing is this, when you're on the cruise ship, everybody there who's with you is on vacation. Yep. When you're on vacation in the city, there are people who are going to work in the morning. There are people who are doing other things. Not all the stuff that you want to do when you want to do it's there. So one of the things about cruising is it's, just, it's a very, very easy, easy vacation. But do you want to get back to Alaska? Well, you know, I tell you, I, this was a cruise I was, just in, I was invited on as press. Uh, you guys noticed that I ended up writing a pretty long article about it. Uh, if anybody yeah. wants to find that, uh, I think you guys have a link to it. Yeah, we it's do. It's also on our website called allthingscruise.com. But, um, you know, I was invited. It was like, hey, I get to get out of the house during COVID. I'm going. Uh, I didn't do a lot of research, and I even packed some Dramamine just in case. <laughs> I could not have needed that less. <laughs> this is um, So this is a 65-passenger uh, ship on Uncruise Adventures. It's called the Wilderness Legacy. And it was actually originally built as a uh, as a riverboat for I think Alabama. They said to go in like intercoastal waterways there, and it's had a bit of a history. It was in Canada for a while, but it's been part of the uncruised fleet uh, for a bit. And it's um, this cruise, in a lot of ways, was very much like a river cruise because in these straits in Alaska, it's just very calm water. You can see land on both sides. You feel like you're on the river on a river except that you're seeing whale spouts come out. Nice. You're seeing these uh, dolls porpoises playing in the, playing in the, uh, in the bow wave. And these are just the coolest things. I've never seen them before. They look like miniature orcas because mm-hmm. they're black and white, Yep. but they're only about 300 pounds each. Uh, we saw little harbor porpoises, which is very, very cool when you're, um, you know, you're in a kayak at, at sea, you know, at, you know, a couple inches above the water playing around nearby. We saw harbor seals. We saw, um, we saw a lot of sea lions. We saw a sea lion haul out where they're hanging out, uh, uh, on the, on our, on the rocky shore. We saw mountain goats as we went by. We saw sea otters playing near us and coming up to check us out, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, floating on their backs, holding their, you know, holding hands with the baby sea otter, which was really cute. We saw river otters. In fact, we saw river otters making more river otters as we watched from about, you know, 50 yards away through binoculars thinking, ah, you dirty should we really guy. be watching this? <laughs> you know, um, they were quite, quite noisy. I'm not sure the female was real happy about what was going on. Um, and the guys, you know, they're guys with long lens cameras filming it. And I'm thinking, do they need to put like little black bars over their eyes if they post this film? <laughs> but, um, I had never seen puffins before. We saw puffins. That was, in, you know, in the wild. I mean, I guess yeah. I've seen them in zoos, but in the wild, that was pretty cool. Just amazing, uh, amazing, amazing scenery and amazing wildlife. You know, being out in the middle of nowhere like that, it, you're right. There's land on both sides. And when I took, um, just by comparison, you were on a small ship that had, what, 65, 70 passengers. I'm on Princess Cruises. It has three or 4,000 passengers. And... We left out of Seattle, worked our way up towards the intercoastal waterway, and the water was as smooth as glass. I mean, the only ripple in that water was the sea life and the humpback whales who were up there. Because I went in September, and the humpback whales were getting their last bit of salmon in them before they started migrating towards Hawaii. And um, so, you know, they were all over the place. And you see these spouts as they're going in pods. You see four or five spouts same time as they all come up for air and go back down and then you don't see them for like 20 minutes you know they can hold their breath for a long damn time but i say all that to say to you the difference is um when we left we didn't get the advantage of coming down the inner passage coming back home we got into the open pacific and i know where dave's point was going with the bering strait because but the bering strait from where we are dave in that part of alaska is about two thousand miles away but yeah, it's a long way. Alaska's a huge state. But I say all that to say we hit a storm about two o'clock in the morning that had this passenger ship with 5,000 people on it being tossed around like a little toy. 
I my my girlfriend does not like to go on cruises where she can see outside the window, which I prefer. So we're on an inner yep. cabin, and I kept telling her, I said, let's, let's get out of the room and at least get to where we can see something because it'll make what you're feeling with this bouncing and seasickness go away. She was not having it. So I heard people out in the hallways <laughs> throwing up. Uh, uh, I, oh heard the, I heard all the dishes fall off the shelves in the, in the kitchen. And then about 6 or 7 o'clock, about sunup, it was like it never happened. But the crew let us know that they were none too happy because the captain didn't even make an announcement. But where you were, you don't feel stuff like that. Oh, yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing. In fact, most of the cruises I have been on, I've, I've felt very little motion. And as the ships get bigger and the stabilizers get better, yeah. but it just depends. Like, for example, if you're in that passage, if you go on a ship that goes to Aruba, you're going to be out, you know, away from the protective islands, and, and there might be a little more movement. Um, the last two cruises that I went on in the Caribbean, I don't know that I felt any movement at all the whole time. And I think that's really more of the experience. Although I was on one carnival ship many years ago where we were coming out of New Orleans and they ended up having it like the show was delayed because they had to reblock the damp sequences because it was moving enough that they were worried about people getting hurt. But, um, Anyway, back to Alaska, it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Bering Strait. The, uh, uh, one of the things that they had, so, so basically this ship that I was on, it's really about the time spent off the boat. When you're on the boat, it's about relaxing, having five-star service, amazing bar service, amazing drinks that the bartender was making, great food, but just relaxing with the passengers and you know, maybe hitting the hot tub. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also did have, a, they did have some lectures and one of them was on the history of Alaska. And they, they did talk actually a lot about this guy named Bering, who was a Swedish navigator, mm-hmm. uh, who was actually uh, hired by the Russians to go and, um, and, and chart out some of this territory. And it was, a pretty, it was a pretty funny presentation because you see this, they actually had his route. And this guy must have had a worse sense of direction than I do. And I tell you, I have no sense of direction. I can get lost in the parking lot. But they had, they actually had somehow mapped out his route. route. And he's going in circles and with squiggles. And it was, I mean, it was just the funniest thing. It was like, you know, your, your toddler went and drew something on a map. But uh, a lot of the stuff is named after him. And, uh, you know, of course, the comment was, well, I guess he lost his bearings. <laughs> but, uh, there were really three there, there were there were three lectures uh in the evenings uh over the course of the trip one was on on uh, on the bird life uh one was on um the pinnipeds and the sea lions and the seals and the other again the history of alaska and boy these guys these guides knew their stuff you know wow. they'd been on research expeditions and they just they knew they had so much knowledge to impart uh, it was it was really a, a nice experience from that perspective. Reading about the Alaska cruises, I think it, I think it's the Norwegian cruise line that has a ship called the Pearl, and I read about this concept they call freestyling, where the where you can choose your yeah. own uh, experience. Can you can you yeah. can you speak more to that? Because it it, it seems extremely sure. exciting, and flexible. Yeah. Well. Um, this is interesting. This is another one of the trends that I was talking about this morning with this gal, you know, over the last 20 years, and that's changes in dining. Because back in the day, uh, when you went to eat on a cruise ship, when, went to go have dinner, for example, um, you picked your time early or late, and you were assigned a table, and you ate at that table with the same people every night. You know, other passengers, they did have some algorithms to try to group you together. Like, for example, I did that with a, a, an ex-girlfriend who was uh, from Mexico. We got seated with all, all other Spanish speakers. Um, <laughs> my Spanish, you know, is a work in progress, let's say. <laughs> Certainly better now than it was then. In the Espanol, okay. Hablo bastante, pero no es perfecto. I speak it better than I can understand it, especially if they're talking fast. I've, I've learned to nod my head and smile a lot. And that really gets you further than you might think. But um, anyway, so Norwegian is really one of the pioneers on this. They started having a system where you can just go in and eat whenever you want. 
uh, and you can sit wherever you want. And but in addition to that, um, dining on on cruise lines has really come come a long way. Um, there are a number of what they call specialty restaurants, and sometimes these these uh, require an extra an extra fee. You might pay an extra twenty bucks, you know, to go to the fancy steakhouse, uh, or to go to the sushi restaurant, or uh, you know, to go to a different venue. But there are also a lot of, of restaurants that are included, like the you know the pizza place is included, the hamburger joints can, is is included. It just it really depends, and it can get very complicated. Some of these big ships might have twenty restaurants. Wow. And you can make your choices where you want to go, but the food quality, especially at you know, you, I'm thinking I'm happy and I'm satisfied. And I'm getting good meals in the dining room, but then you go to the uh, you know the steak restaurant and it is just absolutely everything's absolutely perfect. The quality of the steak, the quality of the service, I mean, every it's just absolutely wonderful. So it's um, you really have lots and lots of choices of where and how you're going to eat. You can have room service. Uh, you know, there are buffets, there are, you know, um, Carnival has a really neat thing called, um, Red Frog Cantina. It has some really good fresh Mexican food. Um, it's doing, you know, like breakfast burrito bowls, uh, every day on my last, uh, Carnival cruise, trying to eat a little healthier, you know, avoid a few carbs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, there's just so much, so much good cuisine on board and, you know, the other thing is this, um, you know, even if you're in the restaurant and, you know, you pick what you pick your, your menu items, you know, you pick your entree, you want two entrees, they'll bring you two entrees. You know, you want, oh, you know, I want, uh, on this one that I, this cruise I was just on, it was like, yeah, double, double me up on the lamb chops on this one. Um, or there was one day when people just got a little tired of fancy food and they started ordering grilled cheese sandwiches, which were not on the menu. Uh-huh. But it was like, oh yeah, and then you'd see somebody else with a grilled cheese sandwich after being out in the cold, and it's like, yeah, I want one of those too. <laughs> so that for you. And that's that's the way the service works aboard these ships. Yeah, yeah. The last the last cruise I went on, I think I only did the meal setting once in seven days, and I know I didn't hit all the restaurants on the ship. There were just too many of oh, them yeah. to take advantage of. And you're right, the ones that we went to a steakhouse one when we were down in um, where was I? Puerto Vallarta, and we were on our way there, and this steakhouse was awesome. I swore I would never go back <laughs> to the uh, dining cabin again. Um, yeah, there are literally so many things to do on a cruise ship. I like those cruise ships where I get to spend two or three days at sea before I get to a port, just so I can see what's on the ship, because you can't take it all in. The eye cannot yeah. take it all in. It's that much going on. Um, yeah, yep. uh, I think your point is spot on. And the neat thing about that is, you know, most of the stuff's included. Yeah. You know, the show, the live shows, the, the um, you know, the water park, the climbing wall, the, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's all, it's all part of the experience. You're paying, you know, on the big ships, you're paying for your drinks. Uh, if you want to upgrade and go to a specialty restaurant, you're paying for that. But most of the restaurants are just included. Plenty of places to eat. Um, you know, you're paying for short excursions, either through the line or, you know, buy them separately through a broker, which is what we recommend because, hey, we work with a broker. But they are also, they are cheaper and they tend to be, you know, smaller groups, which is, I think is nice. I've been reading about some of the amenities. It's really, really amazing. I mean, you go from regular cabins to state, state rooms and suites, luxury villas. That is. That's, that's, that's another, that's another big change, you know, that's been uh, in the cruise business. Um, you know, back, if you go to ships built in the eighties and the nineties, um, they don't have as many. They don't have as many cabin types. They tend to have, you know, inside, outside, balcony, and then maybe there are a couple of big, bigger suites. Uh, and they don't have that many balconies. When they realized that what people really wanted were balconies, they really started changing the way they built the ships. Mm-hmm. They have more and more higher and higher percentage of balconies. And then they also realized that people were willing to pay for fancier cabins. Yep. You've got, you know, and some are even in different uh, in sections of the ship that are, you know, semi-private. So, for example, if you buy a Haven spa suite on a Norwegian cruise, uh, you're in a section of the ship that you can only you can get to with your key card, but people who are not in that section can't. Um, MSC has a what they call a ship within a ship concept called yacht club, where if you're on the yacht club deck, um, the drinks are all free up there. There's a restaurant specifically for people who you know bought yacht club size uh, you know size rooms, 
And yeah, there are also other cabin types. There, um, the Norwegian actually uh, pioneered this on the Norwegian Epic, where they have single cabins. You know, you don't want to have to pay that single supplement. You know, because right. usually if you're one person in a in a double cabin, you're paying extra. Um, and then there are family cabins where you know it's a suite with a couple of rooms off of a, off of a you know a, a sort of a living room type area. Right. So just a lot of innovation going on uh, in the industry. It certainly is. I remember it was funny you mentioned the first cruise uh, or a cruise that you took. My very first cruise was out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And little did I realize, you know, 35 years later, that the girlfriend that I've had for the last eight years was born in Spain, but raised in Puerto Rico. <laughs> and oh, wow. so I'm, you know, I, I, I remember getting there and, and getting a chance to go to old San Juan because we arrived a day early before the cruise ship left. And like you, I arrived on the wrong day of the week and there was nothing open. Um, yep. So we struggled yep. and had to go back to our hotel room. Yep. But uh, you, you were, you were talking about um, the amenities on these ships. I want to uh, kind of take a little bit of a different tack for just a minute. Cause we've been talking about these big mega ships for a while, other than the one that you were on in Alaska. I have never sure. been on a riverboat cruise, and it fascinates me because Europe has so much history and culture and stuff like that. One of the things I've been looking at is going on a riverboat cruise through Europe. Uh, yep. uh, compare the experiences at, 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 between the big mega ships that the three of us have been talking about and that riverboat experience. Sure, sure. Um, as I think we've been talking about, the experience on the cruise, on the, the cruising, on the big ships, most of your entertainment's on board the ship, right? I mean, yes, you're going to go to ports and you're going to go do things in the ports, but your evenings are going to be spent on board, your sea days are on board, and it, it's all about the wow of all the different dining and the, you know, uh, the the uh, wave riders and climbing walls and roller coasters <laughs> and the you know the Hollywood the Sorry, Broadway-type shows, all this kind of stuff. Um, but on a river cruise, it's really more about cities. It's about exploring um, places and in their downtowns and their history and their culture and galleries and museums and, and things more, like, more along those lines. Um, the neat thing about a river cruise is when the river cruise, when the boat stops, you're basically right downtown. Because if you think about it, you know, where do cities grow up? Well, they grow up where there's a water source. And these are, you know, cities that are hundreds of years old. Um, and, and they're on these rivers. So the ships are much smaller, you know, anywhere from, say, 80 passengers to 220. Uh, there are some that even go smaller than that. They tend to be very high-end, uh, very luxurious. But there's not that much on the ship. Yeah, there's a bar. Yes, there's a restaurant you know, where you can have your meals. But it's really about, you know, going someplace, hopping off and exploring. Um, they tend to have uh, very, very uh, well-prepared, well-educated guides who can tell you about the history um, and, you know, tell you about what uh, the significance of what you're seeing. You know, you're stopping at a castle. I, uh, I, I did a, I have my own podcast and I did an interview with a gal who was uh, on a river cruise and went to the castle in, I want to say Germany, I think, that Cinderella's castle was based on. Mm -hmm. um, and you go and you see, you see all these, these really cool things. But it, it, the cruises tend to really be about culture uh, more, than about, uh, more than about, you know, wilderness or, uh, or more flashy entertainment. Um, I guess one other thing I would say, too, about these cruises is part of the entertainment value of any cruise is the people that you meet on board. And the more expensive the cruise, the more likely you are going to meet people who have traveled a lot and been a lot of different places and have interesting stories to hear. And the smaller the ship, too, the more likely you're going to see the same people again and again. Uh, you know, I got to know pretty much everybody on this. You know, this ship that I was on was 65 passengers, but I think there were, I don't know, 52 of us, 55, something like that. So you see the same people over and over again. You get to talk to them. You get to hear their stories. And then also at the end of the day, when you come back, you know, if I went kayaking and they went hiking. What did you see? What did we see? You know, you've got, it, it's really, it's really a nice, um, it's a nice feature of, of cruising 
um, that you get to really meet people, learn about them, learn about their backgrounds, where mm-hmm. they've been, you know, get new places to aspire to go. And I think there's a, there's a lot more of that on a smaller ship cruise than you would get on, on a big ship cruise. Yeah, we were talking about Alaska a whole lot. We spent a lot of time speaking on Alaska. And are there any single cruise, single destination cruises? I'm, I'm just imagining that Alaska might be one of those. But share, what's the experience between, apart from the obvious, what's the experience between a single destination cruise, a cruise to nowhere, and a multi-destination cruise? Okay. Well, a cruise to nowhere is, uh, is simply a cruise with no ports. So you get on the ship, you sail around on the ship, and you come back to where you left from. Um, these tend to not be in, in, in normal times. Uh, back in the before days, uh, <laughs> pre-COVID, we, um, the only time you really tended to see those was if a cruise line had, for some reason, they had some schedule changes uh, or, you know, they're, they're doing a, um, a repositioning cruise, say they're moving a ship from Europe at the end of the summer season to go sail in the Caribbean, and they've got an extra day or two here, and they'll do a little cruise to nowhere where you get on the ship and you go out for two days and you come back. Um, because, you know, they've got a couple of days of space in between before they want to start, you know, the sailings on the weekends, right? Uh, to go, you know, uh, Saturday to, fr- you know, Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Sunday is when most cruise, most of the seven night ships sail. Um, and it's a great way to, you know, go enjoy the ship and be on it and have some fun. Um, in, uh, COVID land, you know, for example, in the UK, I think they've been doing some, uh, some cruises to, to nowhere just because they're not sure where they can probably can't get passengers on and off in places that have a lot of restrictions. So I think they were doing some four night cruises there where you could just get on the ship and you could have fun on the ship and you're on the ship the whole time. Um, so that would be a cruise to nowhere. Now, when you talk about, um, destinations, generally in a cruise, uh, you've got port stops, right? So you're going to stop, um, you know, maybe you start in, in Fort Lauderdale and you go to Cozumel and you go to, or you go to the Bahamas or you stop in, uh, Key West, things like that. And the way this works usually is you get there in the morning, um, usually probably around eight o'clock in the morning and you can get off probably by nine. And you're done by around four o'clock most of the time, four or five, you want to be back on the ship. Now, there are plenty of exceptions to this, but on average, that's kind of what you see. And so on a typical seven night cruise, you might have two sea days where you don't stop anyplace and or two or three and you've got four, you've got maybe four or five ports. Uh, That's three, more likely three or or four ports, I guess, because I'm counting the, the half days when you get on and get off. But anyway, so, um, and the cruise that I just took was a bit different in that there really weren't any ports, but we still stopped because basically we started in Juneau and we ended up in Sitka and every night we would be somewhere every, you know, every day we wake up someplace different, mm-hmm. but it would basically just be where we're anchored somewhere and we can get off and hike and we can get off and kayak or we'll go, you know, paddle near the big glacier uh, there was uh, one stop uh, at a park in Glacier Bay National Park where we got off and went on hiking trails, and they had a really cool, um, really cool whale skeleton that was a uh, a right whale, I guess, that had been killed by a ship, and they mounted the entire skeleton, mm-hmm. uh, cleaned it out, and that was just just really impressive to get up that close to that thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, so so that was really a different kind of experience in that you weren't you know you didn't need your wallet the whole time because everything on the ship was included and there was nothing to buy you know on the kayak or in the woods so <laughs> um, it's not like you're getting off and oh, okay I'm going to go do you know I'm going to go to Chanknab Park in Cozumel and I'm going to swim with dolphins and I'm going to watch a sea lion sh- lion show or I'm going to go tequila tasting you know all of these kinds of things there's nowhere to buy souvenirs. <laughs> Yeah. on this place because there are no people which yeah. is really you know we didn't see anybody who wasn't connected to the ship other than in that one park you know everything was uh, was just pristine wilderness some cruise companies I noticed especially in the Caribbean I'm not sure if it happens on a much wider scale where they, where they literally purchase islands and they take the ship to the island I would imagine yeah. that's another experience um that one that, that one can gain from cruising. 
Yes. Well, if you, uh, that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, the, uh, as the business expands in the Caribbean, uh, and the Caribbean is, is always has been, and always will be the, the epicenter of cruising because you can cruise there all year round. Right. And even the ships, you know, the ships that might be in Alaska and Europe in the summer to keep them operating, they're going to go to the Caribbean, but there are only so many islands, right? And there are only so many people you can put, uh, put somewhere, um, you know, on the same day before it starts getting a little too crowded. Uh, so yes, a lot of the, uh, the cruise lines have developed their own private islands and it's, it's really pretty cool concept. Uh, for me, I was initially skeptical because I like going places with some culture and, you know, seeing the stuff that's there. But we did, um, I think it's perfect day at Coco Cay is, uh, is, uh, Caribbean, is Royal Caribbean's, uh, private island. It is. I hope I have that right. You're, you're right. Um, and I did, yeah, I did that with my son. That was really nice. It was, it was really pristine. Your food is all there and provided for you. Um, there were just some, there's just some neat stuff to do. There was, uh, uh there were zip lines, there was a mountain coaster. Uh, there was some entertainment, as I recall, some music, and it was just the whole the whole place was just was just really well done. Beautiful beaches, uh, pools, and and it's all just right there for you. So we uh, we really had a nice time. I, I, you mentioned repositioning cruises. There is one repositioning cruise I have been dying to go on for years, and it's through the Panama Canal. Uh, I, I actually had a cruise book three years ago, Christmas, that would only take you from someplace in the Caribbean through the first lock. Uh, the, I think they call it the Galgan lock and then turn around and go back into the Caribbean. I want to go through the whole yep. doggone canal. I, I want to, I don't understand. I don't know about me. Maybe I'm weird. Uh, but it just fascinates me just to see how the Panama canal works. So I've been wanting one. I know it's like a 10 or 12 day cruise just to go from like LA through the canal and back up to the Caribbean so they can reposition the ship every year. And um, do you know of any other great repositioning cruises? And I have a lot of work to do. I have to talk my girlfriend into being out out at sea for 12 days, which is not going to be easy. But other than that, (laughs) I got to find some repositioning cruises, man. That's a great way to, to see places. Yeah. Well, it's in, in a repositioning cruise, you know, you tend to have more sea days which is nice uh, because I mean, it, repositioning, it is exactly what it sounds like. They've, they've finished sailing in one part of the world. They need to move the ship someplace else. And since they're going to be sailing, they may as well have paying passengers on board. Um, a great thing about that is it's, um, they tend to be less expensive cruises. Uh, but what will be a little more expensive is your airfare because you're going to, you know, you may have to fly to Europe to get on to get back. Um, but I guess, but you're right. If you're taking like an Alaska repositioning cruise where they're moving the ship from Alaska to, you know, say, you know, Florida or somewhere in the Gulf, um, yes, they are going to take that through the Panama Canal. Um, my advice on the Panama Canal, I was down in Panama a couple years ago. We did, we went halfway through the Panama Canal on just like, uh, like an excursion. This was not on a cruise. Mm-hmm. And my advice is don't take the ship through the canal. Go visit okay. the, the platoon locks in the middle. Um, you can see the locks. They have a whole museum you can go through. But in the, and learning about the Panama Canal is absolutely fascinating. It is so, so incredible. Um, it takes over a million gallons to get one ship through that canal. Wow. There's enough that one ship going, uh, making passes through the canal is enough water that New York City uses in a week. Mm. And all of it comes from rainfall and the river, fl- and the river flowing in. More right. um, some other stats. Oh, the, the Neo Panamax, you know, they built, the, they built the larger locks for bigger ships to go through. And one of those ships can carry 14,000 cargo containers. And a cargo container is the size of a semi. Okay, there was a really big train that what just kind of it, it's funny what brings things you know brings things home to you. But there was a train that runs back and forth along the canal that we saw, and it was pretty long train. And I was sitting there counting cars, and they were double stacked, and there were I don't know like forty eight I think cargo containers on this train, and that's a huge amount of cargo. 
But think about 14,000 of those. Hmm. 14,000 trucks on one ship. I got to think in this country, probably not a day goes by, maybe not an hour goes by, where you don't see, touch, smell something that went through that canal to get here. It's just incredible. 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 And Panama is rapidly becoming a, you know, a first world type of country because with all of these ships there, you know, have to have to go through there. They have all the ship repair and all the ship upgrade and, you know, all the financing that has to happen for it. So they've got all of these, um, you know, banks and, and, you know, factors and financing, uh, corporations. And then some of the stuff is getting unloaded right at the Panama Canal, and that's getting trucked north and south. Uh, it's it's just incredible the the commerce and and you know you think about oh yeah well there are lots of ways for stuff to get to different places, but it's um, uh, how important that artery is to world commerce. It really hits home to you, uh, and how amazing it is how it was built and all the rest of it. Okay, you you convince me. Just go just go see. <laughs> I just yeah, want to see. Basically, I'm, I'm the, the actual nut, experience so like of going stuff. through it, of going through the canal, is kind of like being on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's there's nothing to see on the sides. True. Um, and you move very slowly. And yes, I get the idea of going up and down in a lock is cool, but you go up and down really slowly. You can't feel the movement. Yeah, you can see it filling up, but. Um, it's oh, just that's another of, thing. Is, yeah. is, Go ahead. Another thing that's cool about it is they have these things that they call mules, and they're basically these really expensive sort of drone tug things that run on um, on like uh, railroad tracks, mm-hmm. and they pull the ships along to keep them flowing evenly. But again, you can see all of that if you go to the Gatun Locks. Plus, you get to go to the museum. We didn't get to go to the museum because we were in the you know we were in the bo- in the in a boat. <laughs> Wow. wow. All, right. All, right. All right, Dave, he's convinced me not to do that repositioning cruise next. Well, he's convinced me that I should take a cruise. So okay. hats off to you, Bob. You've convinced me because Michael's been trying to convince me for the last few years and it hasn't worked. But, 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 but what you have is a wealth of knowledge and experience. So you've convinced me. As we, as we get in close to wrap, and I know this is a question that... Um, this is one of those questions that you get varying um, opinions on. Do you believe that there'll be a new normal or will things get back to normal? Oh, I think things will absolutely get back to normal. Um, see, the most important thing that the cruise lines have done is they have greatly, greatly upgraded the air handling systems on the ships. On Royal Caribbean, for example, the air in your cabin is replaced, completely replaced every five minutes. The air in the larger venue areas is replaced, completely replaced every four minutes. And I think that is completely the key to stopping COVID spread. Because look, look, if you look at uh, airlines, um, we know that COVID really does not spread on, on airlines, right? And why is that? Well, the air is replaced about every three minutes on the airlines, right? But the other thing is, oh, well, you know, at the beginning of this thing, they told us it does not, you know, it does not spread through, you know, through the air like that. And it turned out they were wrong. Um, They told us that it spreads on, it spreads on surfaces. It turns out they were wrong about that too. And don't think, you know, it's not a criticism. They were working with, you know, the information they had. Yeah, But one of the things that they keep telling us is, is the masks are supposed to prevent when you, you know, when you cough, when you speak loudly, when you sing, when you yell, um, these large droplets are coming out of your mouth, right? And they're going to the people within six feet. They always talk about that six foot rule. Well, here's the thing about that. I get that everybody on airplanes has to wear masks, but they don't because every time it's time to eat, you get to take your mask off, and I don't know about you, but I can make that little tiny bag of pretzels and uh, and that 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 can of Coke last me for about fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much everybody else does the same thing. And you've got you know if you're let's say you're sitting in the middle seat, you got three people in front of you. You got people on either side. You got three people behind you. They're all within six feet. You've got the mask off. 
if this thing is, you know, if, if, if it's the droplets that are really the spread, we would see a lot more spread on, on, on airplanes. So I think the fact that the cruise lines can, can, can do what so many businesses cannot do, which is absolutely control the airflow, um, you know, and because not only is it, is it being replaced in, in a few minutes, they're going through these HEPA filters that meet the standards if you had an actual, like, infectious disease ward. The filters that they use on the cruise ships are, are as good or better than the ones they're using in hospitals. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we're not going to see a lot. We're not going to see spread on cruise ships. Um, and I think over time we will see these. Um, uh, there really aren't that many restrictions, especially on the ships that are 100% vac- vaccinated. Uh, we had none. We, they did nothing different on the ship that I was on because everybody was vaccinated. Um, and on some of the ones where there's a mix they're doing some things. It's really to discourage people who are not vaccinated to cruise, I think, from cruising, I think, because you're going to pay extra for tests. You're going to pay extra for insurance. And there are certain parts of the ship you're not allowed in uh, if you're not vaccinated. But I think, you know, especially as the vaccinations rates go up and we start to realize where the real risks are, um, things Mm -hmm. will change as far as that goes. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, Carnival is still continuing to have buffets that are self-serve. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think, I don't think they're going to see any problems from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You actually just hit on something and, and, and it didn't occur to me to ask you this question before you came on, but insurance, and I don't necessarily mean COVID related yeah. insurance. I'm just general travel right. insurance. What is your recommendations yep. as regards to a cruise and insurance, you know, and, and just for those right. of you who don't know, cruise sometimes like you can have, like if you get sick, on a cruise ship and you can buy insurance to helicopter you off when they get to a port or pay for local right. doctors. What is your overall recommendation on that? Well, there, there actually, there are different types of travel insurance. Okay. Um, there are, there's, you know, the same kind, like when you, when you're booking a flight and you go, well, you know, do you want to pay us extra in case you need to cancel this flight? You'll get your money back kind of thing. There's, there's insurance like that. Um, it's a little bit complicated because there's a lot of that insurance is not, cancel for any reason they have a limited number of you know you can't you can't go on the cruise because you got sick you can't go on the cruise because your family member got sick you got injured there was a death you know you really have to read the fine print so there are policies like that there are other insurance policies that are canceled for any reason although a lot of those you scan you need to read the fine print because any reason may not be any of your reasons they may be any of the insurance company's mm-hmm. reasons then there's another type of insurance, which you're talking about. Um, Air Ambulance, I think, is the name of the company that that, uh, uh, that is probably, it's the one I'm familiar with anyway. I don't know if they're the leader or not. But basically, that's exactly what that is. If you get sick in a foreign country, and that is really more of a, it, it's the, um, these other policies I'm talking about are per trip. This, I think, is more of like an annual membership. But yes, if you get sick someplace overseas, um, they will pay it to, to fly you, medevac you, and fly you home, and uh, and pay for local, uh, um, you know, local doctors and things like that. Uh, so it really depends on your health, I think, whether or not that's worth doing. Um, yeah. You know, on board the cruise ship, absolutely, they have doctors and they have a, uh, you know, they have a medical bay and they can help you with some stuff. Um, so it really just depends on on how much risk you're uh, you're comfortable with. I would say the older you are and the more likely, you know, the more that you happen to get sick and perhaps, uh, you know, if you book something way in advance and maybe something may happen that changes in your life that, you know, the further in advance you book, the more likely maybe you want some kind of cancel for any reason insurance, you know, you book with your wife and then she leaves you. Uh, let's, <laughs> Ouch. that's a little dark. <laughs> yeah, really. But, uh, so, you know, it just really depends. I've, Generally, don't buy don't buy that kind of insurance. I did have one. Uh, I did have one cruise I was not able to take because uh, uh, a girlfriend's mom uh, had uh, um, some heart issues, and she just did not feel comfortable leaving her at that yeah. time. Well, uh, and you know, kind of got hosed on that one. But hey, yeah, well, you know, things that if, happen if, in life. If you if you want to talk to a guy who got hosed on that one, just ask a Rod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, I, I have one comment about returning to normal. Dave will get a kick out of this. Um, we were coming back. Uh, I left out of the port of New Orleans. 
And you just references your story earlier, Bob, about uh, they had to cancel or, or postpone some of the entertainment on board to get past the, the wake. Um, and I remember I was on the treadmill about an hour before we were coming back in to New Orleans up the Mississippi River. The captain gets on and he says, you're going to feel a little motion of the ocean or whatever the hell he called it for about two hours. I'm on the treadmill. Now, it's already hard enough running on a treadmill when a boat's doing this. So I actually had slowed down to a walk. And uh, so we hit that wake of all that water rushing out of the Mississippi River as we're coming back. I fell flat on my ass. Bam, right on the floor. Uh, (laughs) I didn't listen to the captain. And he was right. For about two hours, that boat was tossing and turning. But once you got past all that water rushing out of the Mississippi, we were fine. And I say all that to you to say that that's normal. But I don't think people understand how much water comes out of the Mississippi River. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, yeah. the volumes of these things are just, uh, it doesn't fit in the human imagination for the most part. No, but it's it really funny that you, that you mentioned that. It reminds me of uh, that same trip out of New Orleans where you remember the old, the, the old original Star Trek? Yeah. Where yeah. anytime they were in a battle, they would tilt the camera and people would like run back and forth in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. On the ship. Uh, on, on, on the Enterprise. On the Enterprise. Yeah. There was a time when it looked exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought it looked so fake in the, you know, on Star Trek, but it's like, hey, it does kind of approximate this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was funny because I used to work in local news media in LA, and obviously Hollywood was a big deal. And I remember I, I signed a reporter to cover one of the Star, star uh, Trek uh, movies. And so they put him in one of those simulators and had him bouncing around, just like what you just described. It was funny as I'll get out when I saw the raw oh, footage. Great. So it was cool. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we've kept you long enough, Bob, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about uh, everything cruises. You have uh, shared, you know, I consider myself a fairly seasoned traveler. I've gone on dozens of cruises, but I learned some things today that I never knew. So I appreciate yeah. uh, awesome. uh, you sharing that with us. Well, and I have, uh, I have uh, I've more than enjoyed it. It's been a great time. Happy to come back uh, uh, whenever you guys want to talk cruising. You got it, my Definitely. friend. You got, you got it. it. And uh, I want you, uh, if uh, for anybody listening to this, I want you to check out Bob's uh, story. I think it's called uh, An Uncruise Adventure Aboard the Wilderness Legacy. It's about the journey to Alaska we've been talking about. You can find it on the allthingscruise.com website, or you can find the link on our website as well at TripCast360. We've linked to it to give you an appreciation for it. And check out Bob's uh, uh, platform uh cruisecompete.com uh again he explained earlier in the show about what they do and how they help you uh uh navigate the waters that is man i'm i'm full of puns today navigate to waters uh, <laughs> of the cruise industry and so uh uh again it, it's well worth a visit there because it's it is again it's great I, I can't tell you how many times i've had to book cruises on my own because i didn't know about services like bob's so uh bob thank you again for uh joining us and uh, on behalf of my good friend Dave Cumberbatch, this is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long, and we'll see you next time in another episode of TripCast 360.